getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today, it's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. Okay, close your eyes and imagine. Well, unless you're driving. Yes, imagine you bought a scratch ticket from the Iowa Lottery. Or someone gave you one. Yes, right. And you scratch and you've won. One big. Yes, in fact, there are 13 holiday games with big cash prizes. And if you don't win, play it again. You can still win up to $100,000 in the VIP club. But you have to enter and see rules and complete details at IALottery.com slash VIP. Yes, thank you. Welcome to the Nebraska Hawks Nest. These guys are brave. They're Hawkeyes living in enemy territory. Listen, these guys are way past their time, but they're still Hawkeyes. They're spreading the Hawkeye hype to all of Nebraska. The Frost Advisory is canceled! Corn Huskers? More like corn suckers. Are you ready for this podcast? Let's go, Hawks! Welcome back to the Nebraska Hawks Nest. Make sure to take time to hit the like and subscribe button, even the notification bell, so you can always be notified of all of our Hawkeye legend interviews. And let's be honest, we want the number one podcast in all of Nebraska to be Hawkeye-related, because that would be pretty awesome. So today we are joined by former Iowa Hawkeye basketball guard Kevin Skillet. How's it going, man? It's going great. It's going great, Adam. Thanks a lot for having me on. You know, I got to tell you, I, I mentioned this quickly before we came on. As a kid, you know, I was born in the early '80s, and then growing up, um, you know, you have, you run into certain guys that you idolized as a kid. Um, I used to always go to the Iowa basketball camp and was just a diehard Hawkeye fan. I remember, you know, as a young kid, if you know Iowa basketball would lose, I'd I'd cry and punch the wall and be pissed off and yeah. uh, really, really upset. So it's pretty exciting to be able to talk to you know, one of my childhood idols. And uh, why don't we take a minute and catch everybody up on what you're up to right now, where you're living and and how your family's doing. Yeah. Yeah. I would cry and punch the wall when we lost too. So you weren't the only one. Okay. Well, that makes <laughs> no. me feel a little better then. <laughs> now. Uh, yeah, actually I'm, uh, I live in, in the Quad Cities. I'm over here in, in Davenport, Iowa. I, I work at Bettendorf High School. I, I went to Bettendorf right after uh, when I graduated from Iowa, uh, I I actually went to St. Ambrose University for two years because I, I wanted to get into education, teaching and coaching. Uh, so when I was at Iowa, I couldn't do that because we practiced every day from one till four. 
So I could never do a student teaching uh, a placement. So uh, because it lapped over semesters, uh, both mm-hmm. fall and spring semesters, of course, the season. So I got a different degree uh, in uh, health from Iowa. And and then I went back, got my teaching certification from St. Ambrose. And I did some coaching there. Um, I was a grad assistant coach uh, at St. Ambrose, actually in the women's program, uh, oh. which the coach at the time uh, was uh, Robin Pinchton, uh, who's now the head coach at Missouri uh, for women's basketball and has been very successful. She went from Drake and Illinois State and then Missouri. So I uh, did that. And then I did. I got right into Bettendorf in 1997 and I started teaching there in 1997. And uh, since then, I, I coached uh, football, uh, tennis. I, I coached girls basketball for three years and I coached boys basketball for 12. And uh, then uh, had some really successful teams. I was fortunate enough. We won a state championship in in basketball in in 2005 in the Iowa Class 4A state state championship which was pretty awesome and, and had some other state tournament appearances and uh, won a tennis state championship uh back in 2004 uh I didn't know a lot about the specifics of tennis I got to admit to that but uh but I taught them how to compete and and condition them well and and those kind of things so uh since then I've I've uh I've done a lot like I said I was a, a teacher I was a dean of students I was the athletic director uh, for five years I decided to get into administration and and uh and now I've been an associate principal uh for four years uh okay. which is where we are like I said I live in Davenport and and I got a daughter that just graduated high, high school this year uh so she's moving on to to the next step and uh I couldn't be more blessed for all the all the great things that have happened to me since I left Iowa that's great where's your daughter going to be going to college she's going to St. Ambrose uh, right. so she's going to stay local here and, and go to St. Ambrose. And uh, she's, uh, I think, growing up with a, an educator in the house that influenced her a little bit. She's going to be a music teacher. Uh, right. So so she's really gifted in, in fine arts and music. So she's going to pursue her passion in that. Uh, so really proud of her. She's uh, a super young person and and she's got great things ahead. St. Ambrose is such a nice campus. I've I've driven by it multiple times, and it is absolutely beautiful. I lived uh, I lived in Davenport for a few years uh, back. I, geez, I want to say it's like oh eight oh nine um, time, and uh, it, it it I was blown away by how nice it was. But I was so focused on trying to avoid the Whitey's ice cream everywhere <laughs> I went that I just I, I'm like I've lived all over the Midwest, and I'm like that stuff's the best, and I just need to steer clear of it, whatever I do. <laughs> it is. Yep. Guilty, guilty as well. Yeah. St. Ambrose has really done, uh, done some great things. They've made a real commitment to their facilities. I mean, they, they built a brand, uh, a fabulous rec center, uh, the housing, they built uh, new, new student housing, uh, with the, 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 the footprint of land that they have, they're maximizing it. It's really a great university here in the quad cities for us. Yeah. And it's one that not enough people know about. It's a, you know, a little hidden gem over there and very, very cool place, very successful athletic programs, academics, and they they really do have a lot to offer. Uh, One thing I I really wanted to cover too was that uh, I don't know that a lot of Iowa fans know that um, you kind of went back to back at Iowa with your brother coming in and playing football there uh, as a kicker. Tell us a little bit about a little bit about that experience. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty unique. Actually, my brother and I were talking not that long ago, and we we can't really think or remember. There probably may have been, but uh, somebody that uh, had a brother that played scholarship basketball, and then one that was a scholarship football player, and 
Uh, so I don't know if that's happened before, but nonetheless, it, it was a, a great experience. My brother Jeff uh, was was at, at Iowa from 1987 to 1991. Uh, he was on the 91 Rose Bowl team uh, with Matt Rogers as the quarterback. Uh, they were they were really good. I think they lost to Washington that year in the Rose Bowl. I think they had Mark Brunel and 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 obviously other good players, but. Uh, uh, yeah, he had a great experience. He grew up. He, it's kind of interesting because uh, when he was, gosh, I think it was 10 years old, he won the National Punt Pass and Kick Championship. OK, so I don't know if oh, you've wow. heard of that before, but some people yeah. certainly have. And it's it was really something back back then. I don't know how much traction it has now, but he traveled all over to these different NFL games and kept qualifying and qualifying and qualifying. And then all of a sudden he's at the Super Bowl, kicking at halftime of the Super Bowl. And when he's 10 years old and uh, it was really, really awesome. And he won, uh, which was great. So I think that kind of led to his, his uh, career in, as a place kicker. Uh, he was uh, a multiple sport athlete all the way through high school, football, basketball, baseball, just like I was. Um, he was recruited uh, to play baseball, uh, to be a quarterback at, at a, a mid-major level. But uh, he, Hayden Fry, then Hayden Fry came along, and that pretty much was it. Uh, once, once he uh, in our family met Hayden Fry, because we grew up in East Moline, actually Silvis, Illinois. So we went to United Township High School in East Moline. So we were huge Illini fans, you know, just growing up because that's what everybody was over there, right? right. And, and then as soon as my brother committed to Iowa and, and to play for Hayden Fry, it, it switched to black and gold instantly. And uh, it's been that way ever since, of course, back since 1987. And uh, he just had a, um, a great experience, a great career there. And, and then I followed right after him uh, uh, okay. to Iowa. Yep. So I don't think too many people can say no to a charismatic individual like Coach Fry was. I am, I'm really curious to know a little bit about what your recruiting process was like. Um, back then, you know, recruiting wasn't, is you know watched as closely as it is now and you know there wasn't social media and things were all over the place uh, in your face like they are now what was it like being recruited by dr tom what kind of personality was he to uh deal with as a recruiter and what other schools were really after you so that's a that's a um, actually it's a pretty unique story. Uh, when I came out of high school, I I was a three sport athlete in high school as well. I was very successful in in all three sports, and I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do when when I came out of high school because I was not very heavily recruited uh, coming out of high school. I had um, smaller school interest, uh, some Division two school interest, and. What I actually decided to do was my my freshman year back got pretty late in the summer. I actually went to Augustana College for one year over in Rock Island, and okay. I played at Augustana for one year and um, had a really great year. We had a, our, we had a brand new coach that year, and and it was just it was a great experience. I was really coming into my own as a basketball player. That was really the year that that really propelled me as a, as a player, uh, and. After that season, my brother Jeff was still at Iowa. He was he just finished finished his career. And uh, interesting story is we talked and said, "Hey, what do you want to do?" And I said, "I wanted I want to go to the University of Iowa and give this thing a shot." So he went in and met with Dr. Tom and kind of explained my story and said, "My brother he wants to come up. Will you give him a shot if, if he comes?" And you know, Dr. Tom said. Absolutely. Let, let's do it. So 
I guess now it would be considered like a preferred walk-on, I think is how they, they rate them now. So I went okay. up there for, uh, for one year and I, I was a walk-on of uh, my first year. And um, after that season, some, some different things really just fell into place uh, for me as far as the recruit uh, some players coming in, some players that left and and opened up uh, some scholarship opportunities, and I'm I'm just very grateful for for Coach Davis and the staff uh, at the time to have the confidence to offer me a scholarship for my my final three years at the University of Iowa. But uh, that that redshirt year, because I redshirted uh, while I was walking on, and and I had some there were some great guys there. Right, it was you know Troy Skinner, Wade Looking Bill, AC Earl. I, I mean those guys were really good mentors to me. And and really uh, pushed me and and had confidence in me and treated me with respect and and it really helped again with my one year doggy then my years of walk on help you know prepare me to play Division one basketball at the University of Iowa which was awesome for uh, those people that don't know when you're jumping from a Division two level because I mean Division two is nothing to you know laugh at I mean that is legitimate high level basketball competition I've I've seen it you know, firsthand, those guys can play. Um, what was the talent level difference? How much of an adjustment was it jumping from an Augustana to University of Iowa? Yeah. And actually the Augustana in Rock Island is a D3 school. Oh, so, is it really? Okay. I, okay. Yeah, it is. I, I forgot because yeah. there's Augustana in South Dakota. There's the, a lot of Augustanas. Correct. Yep. And the one in, in South Dakota is a division two. So this was in the, the it's called the CCIW conference. It's got Chicago, a lot of Chicago area schools, North Park, uh, you know, some of those those schools. And I tell you, and, and here's what's I think important for for people to know. And, you know, hopefully there's there's young people out there listening or parents and 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 such is that playing college basketball at any level is is it it's a privilege to do that, right? Because there are really good players at the division three level. And, and that was certainly the case when I was there. I think the real difference is probably size and athleticism, you know, as when you jump from D three to D one, everybody's just about four inches taller and 20 pounds heavier. Uh, but as far as guys really knowing how to play and understand the game and, and the, the physicality, I think that really helped me also, because as we know, you know, the, the big 10 is, is arguably the most physical conference in the country. And especially when I was playing. And uh, so I think the, the, the physical nature of division three basketball uh, really helped prepare me. And I think also, Adam, I think that, my my being a multi-sport athlete really helped me uh, as well. I, I think playing football, you know, I was a quarterback on our, our football team at East Moline in a, you know, in a big, a big school. And, and so I think that just that toughness that comes along with being a multi-sport athlete really helped me, you know, when I got into college and then really, because I didn't have an opportunity to focus a lot on one sport uh, in and I'm thankful for that because I know, and that might be a topic for another day, but but I know that right now there's such a specialization uh, feel in high school athletics. And uh, I did not do that when I was in high school. I, I really, um, I played football in the fall, basketball in the winter and baseball in the spring. And in the summer, I, I tried to work on my game, but we really didn't have AAU, right? It, it was like... Um, you know, I never played on a traveling team or anything like that. Like nowadays, you know, the AAU is, is is such a big organization. And so, you know, where I played down in the park in downtown East Moline is, is where I learned how to play. And I was playing with guys that, that taught me a lot, let me tell you. And, and uh, so I, I think that, that, that in, in, 
playing in that physical conference and at the D3 level and then that year as a walk-on really, really helped me because there is a big difference, right? There's a difference. Yeah. But, but I just think it's important for people to know there is really, really good basketball. And there's no shame in going and playing at a D3 school because I know everybody wants that D1 scholarship, right? It's it's like yeah. it's that carrot that gets hung out there for 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 parents and, and players at young age and, hey, focus on this. We'll get you a scholarship, that kind of thing. And that, you know, it's a very small percent that gets a Division One basketball scholarship out of, you know, with young people coming out of the state of Iowa. And so I think as long as they, they can go somewhere and play and have a great college experience at any level, I think that's important. You really hit it on the head with the major difference is size and athleticism because I, um, I, I had a partial scholarship to play NAIA basketball and but I ended up just as going as a regular student to a division two school and I uh, helped out as the student manager. So occasionally I would help out in practice and practice with them a little bit. And good night. The jump in freaking competition was enormous. There was guys that could do just what I could do, but they could do it faster. And they were also about six inches taller than me. So mm-hmm. it was uh, it was very eye opening that. I knew at that time, I'm like, I definitely do not have what it takes to, to play division two athletics. I, I was, a, I was an NAIA guy through and through. And that was, uh, that was okay. Well, that was okay with me. I, I had a good time tearing it up in the, on rec ball and doing all that kind of stuff back in the day. So that, that was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, speaking of the competition though, when you were on the court in a game or even in practice, who are like one or two of those guys that you look back on? that you were maybe a little starstruck that you were like, God, I can't believe I'm playing against this guy right now. Like this, this is unbelievable that you're like kind of pinching yourself a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's probably a long list. Uh, Cause I had the opportunity to play against a lot of players, uh, really great players, NBA players. Of course, I think one, one that comes to mind is uh, the fab five, right. That was yeah. right in the middle of my career. So uh, several matchups with Jalen Rose, uh, Chris Howard, you know, all those guys, Jimmy King. Um, it was, it was, it was interesting. One time we're, we're on a, we're like scrumming down on the, it's like a loose ball right underneath the Michigan basket. And I, I'm down there fighting for it. And cause that's what I did. Right. I'm always trying to get in the mix and dive on the floor and cause havoc. And, and I, I can't remember if it was uh, James Winters or Jim Bartles, or I, I can't remember who all was, was there, but all of a sudden Chris Weber, like he's right there and he bends over and he grabs the ball and with one hand, he just takes it up and does a reverse dunk um, and for the basket, for the score. And, and I kind of looked over and I went, holy crap. And it, I mean, just that level of athleticism uh, was, was absolutely incredible. Another quick story uh, against Michigan. We uh, it was real early in the game and, and we had a, I got out in front and had a breakaway and, and of course it was, you know, coach Davis and, you know, the, the pump fake and the pump fake and power. Right. So oh, yeah. you know, the, the, you know, the shot, the famous shot fake, I was really glad I had it at that point, but I shot faked and Jimmy King was coming, was trailing me coming behind and he jumped over my whole body. He just completely jumped over me and I didn't even duck, right? He just jumped right over. And then I went up and scored and it was the, the top play on ESPN at, at way back at the time, of course. And, and uh, so I, I think that was Glenn Robinson. Uh, I, I had a chance to the big dog. Uh, yeah. The big dog. I, I matched up with him a few times. I've still got a, um, a picture from, 
from back then where, where I was going, I, I try to harass some of my, my brother and some of those guys and tell them that, cause I'm going up and I'm going up and scoring, shooting a shot of runner, kind of a runner off the uh, eight to 10 feet out. And, and Glenn Robinson's just kind of looking up at me and like, Whoa, look at that guy. Not, <laughs> he wasn't thinking that, yeah. uh, but, but we still, I still caption that just for, for fun. But uh, yeah, a lot of great players, I think on our own team, I, you know, I, I had the the opportunity there. We had some some really terrific players, and and I was I had very fortunate. I mentioned a couple of them at the beginning of the show, and and uh, a couple of the older guys when I was there. But then it was, you know, everybody from uh, James Winters. Uh, that guy was the most athletic guy yeah. I've ever been around. I Sky, mean, he, Skywalker. Oh gosh, he would do things in practice that it was just jaw dropping. Right. And yeah. nicest guy, great teammate, just an amazing, I still keep in touch with him today. Uh, he's awesome. And you got to no, set well, us up. We got to set us up with him. Cause we've been trying to find okay. him to get him on. Cause we're huge fans of the Skywalker. Oh man. He's awesome. Yeah. He he's a great guy. He's doing really well. I think he's out and uh, lives out in Colorado now. And uh, so I had a chance to speak to him not too long ago. Actually, we went on a, uh, we had a Zoom call. You know, we learned a lot over this pandemic, right? How to use like Zoom and and connect with people. And and so uh, Jim Bartles and Jeff Settles and James Winters and I, we just one night all got on Zoom together and started telling some old stories. This was a few months ago. Uh, so so really good. You know, who else was super athletic was Russ Millard. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Russ was he was real sneaky athletic, but boy, when he turned it on and he got going. I mean, he would dunk. He would dunk over anyone. I mean, he was so powerful and so strong, uh, but just amazing. And and then of course, you know, one that uh, that everybody, the old Nebraska, uh, Chris Kingsbury. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Chris was he was a great teammate, and and that guy was he was he was truly a freak of nature. I, I mean, he truly was. He would come to practice, and you know, sometimes like a guy like myself, I'd be there a half hour early, right? I'm stretching, I'm, I'm getting loose and I'm trying to get myself as ready to go as possible. And Kingsbury comes in, you know, a few minutes before practice starts and, and he comes out there and he just, he wins every wind sprint. He, he won every time we had to run wind sprints, he would win, you know, he played his butt off the entire practice and he just, just a, a phenomenal uh, player and athlete and, and, and a great person. So uh, very fortunate to to have have played with those guys like that, and I'm missing some too. I know you had Andre Woolridge on. Um, yeah. I, I saw you had him on, and uh, he was also a guy that 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 was an incredible talent. Uh, you know, he was as far as a true point guard. You know, is to be able to score, assist the ball. You know, do those kind of things, and 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 just a really super person. I, I mean, just a really good guy. Because uh, we spent a lot of time together, right? All of us as teammates were traveling a lot. We're on the planes, we're in hotel rooms and we're, you know, there's downtime. And of course we were doing our homework most of the time. Right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> right. Right. But, uh, but just having a chance to interact and, and have the memories. Cause that's really, when we get together, we talk a lot about those times, right. About, about times. And when we traveled overseas or when we, you know, on, in the hotel rooms and, you know, we'll, we'll tell a few stories about some big games and big moments, but it's those relationships that, that really matter the most. Uh, your relationship with uh, Chris Street when you were at Iowa, can you tell us a little bit about that? What kind of person he was and just how difficult that was for everybody to go through that loss? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, 
I've I've never really talked publicly a lot about this, um, but because uh, it's been it's been difficult, it, it really has. And and you know, I'm happy to share some comments, of course. But um, he was an incredible person. Uh, you know, stepping completely away from basketball. Um, we all know what kind of a basketball player he was, but but he was an extremely genuine, friendly, uh, respectful. Uh, I mean, great sense of humor. Uh, I, I mean, just if, if you look at kind of what a, a terrific, great person, I mean, he was that for, for his age, right? We're all developing and learning yeah. how to figure life out and those kind of things. But he really had it figured out. And and uh, so absolutely great. My locker was right next to his. Um, he he treated me with with respect right from the first day I walked onto campus and 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 helped you know be a good mentor you know we we graduated the same year you know but I took the different path of course yeah. uh, so when I got there he knew the, the the way the ropes he he showed them to me and and just a, a super super person and that was a that was a um, a life changing event for all of us right because we just. We didn't know how to process that very well. And, you know, when you're 19, 18, 19 years old and 20 years old and you're trying to uh, sort through um, something so tragic and uh, it's so it was tough. You know, I, I, I just I can't say enough about the street family. Uh, Mike and Patty, and and I think you had Mike on. Um, yep. I saw you had Mike on, and I, I listened uh, to to that, and and they have been such amazing. Um, part, they've been such amazing a part of the University of Iowa and in, in, in the Iowa basketball program, and their connectedness and uh, just to uh, continue to keep that spirit alive really means a lot to all of us, and mm-hmm. and uh, just can't a- appreciate uh, that family enough and and the University of Iowa they they really did a, a tremendous job at the time of, of the tragic loss of, of Chris uh, to support us, you know, as, as his teammates and the coaching staff and all the adults, they, they, they poured a lot of resources in to help us navigate uh, through this. We, and we had to still play a basketball season, right? Yeah. None of us wanted to do that. And, you know, so we, we really didn't know how to, how to move forward, uh, with with where we were, but um, through the I can't say the, the University of Iowa, our coaching staff, um, the the staff within the athletic department, and 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 most importantly the street fa- the street family uh, really helped us get get through that. And that's what I told Mike too that as a Hawkeye fan, it's um it's just so great that it fills your heart up to see him and Patty on the sidelines for all the games and everything they go to because you feel like you still got a piece of Chris there and uh, you know that that's phenomenal uh what was it like that first game coming back after the loss of chris all of the emotions running high had a really big game to get ready for uh, tell us what it was like in the locker room and how you guys were feeling um i think we were um there was a certain level of obviously of anxiety and anticipation uh, for what that would feel like, you know, to run out there and, and, and start playing. And, and it was, but I, I think that looking back, you know, even though when this all happened, we didn't know how to move forward and we didn't really want, we didn't want to play without him. Right. Yeah. And, and, but, but we did. And I think that, that by getting out there on that floor was probably, you know, the best thing that, that could have happened to us is to, is to get back out there and, and, and again, with the family and it was just an amazing uh, atmosphere, but 
so I think as, as we were in the locker room, it, as I, I recall the, the best that I can, there was there was some anxiousness. It, it wasn't a lot of jumping around, a lot of let's, you know, it was let, let's go out there. And obviously everybody knew that, that whole, we played for Chris, right? Every, every second yeah. um, on the floor and with his spirit and intensity and determination and passion, you know, that's really what we talked. That's what we wanted to do is, is to play like Chris would play. And, and, and that's certainly what we did to the best of our abilities. I don't think I've ever cried like that during a basketball game in my life. I was, it, it was like the way you guys played was so inspired and it was just, uh, it was beautiful. And so, you know, as a Hawkeye fan, just want to, you know, not only thank you for your career, but man, that, that performance after all of, you know, the Iowa fans that, you know, the family of Chris and the teammates, the university, his friends, you know, everyone having to go through that horrible loss for you guys to come out and play like you did the inspired basketball that you played was just such an uplifting moment and brought so many people in the state of Iowa together. I don't think as a college student, you probably knew the ramifications of your guys' performance that night. I'm, I'm sure we didn't. And, and, but you, that you put it very well. I, I think all those things are, are exactly true. And um, I, I think that I, there was a lot of emotion after that game by, from everybody and, you know, back in that locker room and, and it just, it, it's hard to even describe it in words, you know, yeah. what, it gives me goosebumps even now yeah. just thinking about it and, and um, get, you know, to have a loss of that magnitude, it not because, and again, I, I want to go back, but not because of the amazing basketball player he was. Obviously he's a first round draft pick. He's a lottery pick in the NBA, right? He's yeah. that good. We all knew that, right? He's that good. But, um, but, but the person that, that we lost, the friend, the, the, the teammates, and of course, um, you know, this, the severe loss of his family I and mean, his, his friends he grew up with and, you know, those kind of things. Um, it was, it was a really tough time in our lives, but, but really, but all of you, right? Like all of the fans and the support and the, you know, the media, the, I, I mean, everybody just was, was incredibly um, just, you know, mindful and respectful and, and, and just, appreciated that we were going to move forward and move on and do the best we could. And, and just, there was never a negative word that whole rest of that season, right? We, we all did the best we could. And, and uh, you know, we all wonder, you know, what, what a season could have been like and, you know, had that not happened, but it's hard to just put, it's hard to even think about the basketball part because the, the person and the friend and mm. you know, teammates, you know, that, son, you know, nephew, you know, all those things are, are, are much greater than, than, than the basketball part. Yeah. Well, well said, well said. He, um, he'll, he'll never be forgotten. That's for sure. Um, really on a lighter note, playing for coach Tom Davis. Okay. Want to really know what he was like as a person. Um, you know, do you got any, you know, great stories from practice from the locker room of like, you know, with you and the guys or with, with coach Davis, you know, playing for him over all those years, because, you know, as of now, you know, back then we didn't really, we weren't connected to the team and the coaches like they are now with, you know, like we said before, social media and, and TV and everything like that. 
Um, I, like I said, I went to the Iowa basketball camp every single year as a kid, because I mean, you guys were growing up as a kid in Iowa, you were my rock stars. Like, you know, I looked up to all the guys in the basketball team, you know, and Dr. Tom, like the lead singer, and he was running the show. Uh, what, what was it like playing for Dr. Tom and, you know, any great stories from him or some other guys in practice that they, that the average fan like myself wouldn't know about? Well, I think that when you talk about Coach Davis, I, I think that obviously the the state of Iowa and all the Hawkeye fans appreciated, you know, all of his years uh, at the University of Iowa and all the wins and the success and and things of that nature. He was he was remarkably calm. Um, he was he was a great teacher of the game, right? It, it, he kind of it was that John Wooden uh, philosophy, okay. I think that that he took and brought and molded into his own. And uh, so there'd be times when you know we'd come in the locker room and you know we're getting our butts kicked, right? It's it's halftime and we're not playing very well and we're we're just not playing with the kind of energy we needed and doing the, the things that we we know we need to do. And there were times where I'm sitting there and and I'm like. I hope coach Davis comes in and chews our butt. Right. And, yeah. and really gets after us. And, but, but he, he wouldn't do that. He, he would come in and teach and he would come in and say, okay, here's what we have to do. And, and he would never raise his voice. Very rarely did he ever, I ever raised his voice very rarely. And, um, but when he did, you knew it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that, that's one thing I learned about coaching that I took with me is that if you yell all the time, right, then it doesn't mean as much. But when you don't, and then you really get after it, then then it's really impactful. But he um, he was he was a great teacher of the game. Um, you know, as far as specific, you know, locker room this or locker room that. I mean, it was just more. He had a great sense of humor. He really uh, he really liked. Uh, to crack little jokes and and little innuendos and and things like that, and sometimes we would look at each other's teammates and go, "What did that mean?" <laughs> kind of thing. But but he um, he was just um, a really good person to be around. Extremely intelligent basketball coach. Um, I, I appreciate the opportunities he provided for me because some, that's not easy sometimes as a coach, right? To be able to um, have a walk on essentially a walk-on come and then put him on a scholarship. Um, and, and I hadn't, I wasn't the only one. There was walk-ons, you know, after me that, that became scholarship and contributing players. You know, you look at Daryl Moore and, and Jason Bauer and Nate Cook. And I mean, those are just to name a few, there's probably others, but that, that, that walk-on model that, that Dr. Tom implemented and the gray team is what it was called uh, back then. We had some really good players that, that played on that team. One of them, uh, two of them that come to mind, one of them, Jason Shea, who is, yeah, yeah Jason Shea, who was from Galesburg and, and a, a great walk-on player. And, and uh, it was recently his in division one coaching and, and as uh, now I think he's going to be at Wake Forest, I believe. Uh, but uh, him, you know, it just, just, and, and, and there was a lot of, the great team really had a big impact, right? Because coach Davis would have this team scout, they're the scout team, they're running Michigan state stuff, they're running Purdue stuff, they're running, and they're really good players, right? Um, one was John Fritzel from uh, West Des Moines Dowling, and, and that came really good player. And, and they, so, so having, I think Coach Davis, again, not to get too far off off topic here, but Coach uh, really gave a lot of great opportunities for, for players, taught us how to play the game the right way. Um, his coaching staff was was really strong. You know, we had, you know, Coach Walker and Coach Close and Coach DeLeo and, you know, Coach Moss. And, you know, there was those were some of the assistant coaches. Uh, and, and I think just 
it was just a real well-oiled operation. He was that, that coach Davis would put together, but, but he cared about his players um, and, and in our overall success. Well, that, that's great. And Kevin, just want to thank you very, very much for taking time out of your busy schedule as an educator. You're one, like you said, before we came on, you're one of the educators, you're working 12 months out of the year. So you don't get that awesome summer break that the, that the teachers get. You're still, you're still plugging away right now, working hard. Yeah. Yep. I'm still plugging away. I use a lot of my vacation days in the, in the summer, the ones that I get, it's hard to take off during the school year, but uh, I just really appreciate having the opportunity on and, and, and have a conversation and talk about some of the, some of the times at the university of Iowa. And I appreciate what you're doing with uh, you know, with your podcast and, 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 and all your the social media and the things just to, to promote the university of Iowa athletics. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for your support, man. I saw you came on and liked a few things. I'm like, Kevin Skillet's on here. It's freaking awesome. So, That's right, man. Yeah, thank you so much. Again, thank you for everything you did as a Hawkeye. And, again, we really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come on and, and, and talk Hawks with us. My pleasure. Never, let me know. I'll try to get uh, James Winters or some other guys. If, if you want to get some other old, old-time basketball guys on there, I'll, I'll put a plug in for you. Oh, we would love it, man. Those guys are like, that's a legendary team right there. It's awesome. It's awesome. awesome. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Go Hawks. Go Hawks, man. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.